Good evening. Welcome to the midnight edition of Pigeon Post, broadcasting from the kitchen again, <laughs> as I didn't get to this earlier in the day. Um, we are coming to John chapter 8, and we're going to see one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and um, a couple of famous sayings in the Bible, and even probably one of my favorite verses. I don't know if it'd be my favorite verse, but one of my favorite verses personally. So, um, but I think what some, a way to summarize this chapter is that the religious leaders pick up stones and then they drop the stones and then they pick them up again. So um, Jesus, he should probably get a copy of how to win friends and influence people because um, he's not not doing a very good job here. Um, but in all seriousness, let's dive into John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery, in the very act. Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out, one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. 
I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you, that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He spoke these things, many came to believe in Him. So, many came to believe in him. If you're keeping score at home, how do you think that's going to turn out? What we see is this pattern of Jesus doing something or saying something really compelling, and people are drawn to those words. And then he keeps teaching, and it's almost like he's messing it up. I mean, he's making people offended, and they're walking away. And I think it goes to show us that um, Jesus can be taken on a superficial level and, and loved on this superficial level by natural man. I mean, if you ask the average person on the street what they think about Jesus, they would probably say some great things about him. Um, but as we're going to see when we're looking through some of these things that he says, um, like we mentioned in the last podcast, you know, the C.S. Lewis quote, he's either the liar, um, or excuse me, a liar or a lunatic, or he's the Lord. And the implications of him being the Lord are huge. Um, but John has already told us his identity, so we can bring that to bear on uh, this text. And that's what I wanted to focus on in this first story, which is very famous, the famous story of the woman who is caught in adultery and brought before Jesus. And the Pharisees are wanting to stone her. 
But they also know that um, that will make Jesus look really bad. I mean, you think about it, he hangs out with people like this. Um, he has come to save sinners. Um, so they, they're trying, once again, to, to bring some kind of charge against him or trap him and see if he will reject the law of Moses. And um, he does something interesting here. He, 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 get, he bends down and writes in the ground with his finger. And um, he does it twice. Um, now, they don't seem to respond to the writing on the ground. Um, they actually respond to his infinitely wise words, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So the Pharisees and the woman have the same problem. In these 11 verses here in the story, everybody's going to hell, right? The religious leaders, the Pharisees, they are sinners. They have sinned even if they haven't done the act of adultery. They've sinned in their heart. Jesus said, if you look upon a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart with her. And every one of the Ten Commandments is that way. And that brings up, well, before I go to that, let's, let's just reinforce that point about that the woman and the Pharisees are in the same boat, right? But the difference is the woman can see her guilt, okay? Um, so to the accusers, he asks, are you without sin? But then he doesn't excuse the sin of the woman. He, he tells her to go and sin no more. These are the same basic idea. He is calling both of these, both, both the uh, adulterous woman and the Pharisees to repent. And so in this chapter, Jesus is calling all people to repentance and faith. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is, um, well, the objective gospel is that Jesus died on the cross. He rose again, right? Um, he is the Son of God, all these objective facts. But the subjective gospel, the gospel that gets applied to, to our hearts to make us new creatures is repentance and faith. So both of these people are kinds of people in this story need repentance and faith. Now, um, the thing that kind of made me think about the Ten Commandments is I was thinking, you know, where in Scripture did God write with his finger? And uh, this might not be an exhaustive list, but I just tried to look it up real quick, and I could only think of two places. Um, one was when he wrote the Ten Commandments with the finger of God on the tablet. And also in Daniel 5, and I'll have to read that, um, verse 26, Daniel is giving his interpretation of the writing on the wall. So this is a phrase that we use all the time. You can see the writing on the wall. And what's behind that phrase? It means that something bad's going to happen, but more particularly... It means that, some, that something is being brought to an end. So um, as Daniel is interpreting that, he interprets those four words um, as God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Um, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. 
I think that first part really rings true here. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Now, I'm not encouraging speculation here on what Jesus wrote on the ground. We don't know what he wrote on the ground. But I do think it's valid to look biblically, biblical theology, and say, where do we see this happening somewhere else in Scripture? And the two places we see are highly relevant to this text. Uh, he, as Jesus writes on the ground at first, he gets up and then he says, let he who is without sin among you cast the first stone. So even if he was just scribbling something, the writing on the ground with his finger, I think John wants us to think about times when the finger of God has said something. And the main place is the Ten Commandments. Um, and this isn't an original thought of mine. We've heard, heard people say this before. But let's say that those Pharisees, they are going to be thinking of the Ten Commandments as they think, am I without sin? Do I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart and soul and mind and strength? Do I love my neighbor as myself? Those are the summary of the Ten Commandments. And then all the individual commandments about not lying, um, not bearing false witness, not coveting, um, not committing murder, not, which Jesus says you can't have hatred in your heart. So these Pharisees knew they weren't without sin. But then he bends down again and writes with his finger again. And if we think about the second time that God wrote with his finger, your kingdom is coming to an end. That's exactly what's happening with this little kingdom that the Pharisees has set up. And it's exactly what's going to happen with any kingdom that we try to set up on our own strength. And any religious system that gets set up in opposition to the true gospel or the true Christ, that kingdom is going to come to an end. Um, so I think it's uh, important to be reminded of those things. Um, so then he says this really famous statement, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And if we remember um, that Jesus says in John 3, I believe it's Jesus talking, that, um, that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So once again, it's repentance that needs to happen when the light of the world is shining on you. It, it should call you to both turn from the darkness and walk towards Christ. Um... What was the other thing to say here? Oh, this verse really sticks out like a sore thumb. It says uh, in verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So when I talked about that first part, that everybody was going to hell, this is not a popular thing to talk about. And it's not popular to even believe this, even if you call yourself a Christian, that you actually have to put your faith in Christ or you will die in your sins. And when we think about the implications of that, of being lost, we should think about the time, the time before we knew Christ. When we had our sins on us, we were just as guilty as the adulterous woman. We were just as guilty as the Pharisees. Unless we believe that Jesus is our Savior, unless we turn from our sin and walk to the light of the world, we will die in our sins. That's a huge thought. I encourage, I encourage you to think about death 
because think about thinking about death and then reading the words of of Christ will really bring things into focus, I believe. So then that brings us to verse 30 where he, it says that many believed in him. Now, what do we think is going to happen there? We are about to see if those many are going to keep believing in him. The Gospel of John, chapter 8, continued. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. 
Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. And you have not come to know Him, but I know Him. And if I say that I do not know Him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know Him and keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Well, first of all, I want to say Gesundheit to my wife, who sneezed at the end of the last section. I think it caught the sneeze. If it didn't, then I'm just being really weird right now, um, for no reason. <laughs> In this section, um, people go from believing in Jesus to wanting to stone him. Um, and that's just in what, let's see, 20-something verses. Um, why? why? Why do people go from this belief in Jesus to actually thinking that he would be better um, to be stoned and left for dead. Um, it's no surprise to Jesus, because he tells them, I know you want to kill me. You know? um, but what is it that Jesus says that, that really makes this, brings out this hatred that they have of him? Um, well, first off, he says, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. So we see that there is a requirement for a continuation of belief. Um, we have to be born again. It has to be a real belief. You know, we've talked about this, that, that we become not slaves to sin, as Jesus is describing here, but sons, right? We become um, sons of God. Um, but that's through Jesus alone, right? So this brings up a really... Um, touchy point for a lot of us who just really haven't confronted, we might be Christians, but even, but we haven't confronted this idea of the exclusivity of Christ. Um, that we think, maybe we think, or, or maybe some people think, um, that everyone in the world is a child of God. And that everyone in the world can call God Father no matter what their religion is and such. But look at what Jesus says to, um, to these people who, who said they were believing in him or, or they were on the, on the borderline of believing in him. He says that their father is the devil. Um, 
they, they're claiming God as Father, and Jesus is like, no. And these were people that were Israelites. So you would think that by birth they would sort of, you know, have this relationship with God. But that's not the case. Um, Jesus is making a really big point about himself. And that's one of my favorite verses at the end there. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So it's a big deal to Jesus, a big enough deal to lose followers over it and to put himself in danger of being killed, being stoned to death here, that people know his true identity. If we don't have the right identity of Jesus, we don't have the right Jesus. Um, we have to believe that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word uh, knit Abraham together in his mother's womb, and the Word called Abraham right out, and the Word came to Abraham and revealed himself. Jesus didn't just wasn't a, a good man that sort of turned into God, or he wasn't a good man who became a good example for us to follow. He is God incarnate. And um, that is the point that he's trying to make here. And um, he's trying to teach them about his relationship with the Father. And they're just not having any of it. And so um, that's how it ends with, um, once again, the people that were on the borderline of believing, um, just basically picking up the stones um, and wanting to kill Jesus. So this is, this is mounting, and of course, we know that in a couple of chapters, um, things are going to drastically, um, the heat is going to be turned up, so to speak, on Christ. So thank you for tuning in today. Um, we will see you next time in John 9.